What's up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning, Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me the meaning! My name is Jared, and I'm joined here by the Show Me the Meaning crew. We got Alec. Hey. And uh, if you guys remember from the Django Unchained podcast, we've got the whole, we got the two hosts of Blackstage, one of the other Wisecrack podcasts. We got Greg. What up? And Bradless. What's up? All right, so today we're talking about Us, the 2019 film written and directed by Jordan Peele, starring Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. As always, let's go around and get some first impressions. What did you think about the movie? Let's start with Greg. Oh, um, okay. All right. Saw the movie on Saturday, 2 o'clock, $6.50. I know. I lucked out. <laughs> um, look, I didn't get it. The first time I saw it, I was like, man, this is like, it's good, but is it good? I'm confused. I don't know what's up. Is this about race? Is it about class? Is I, I, I just don't know. And um and I I left the movie very conflicted. I left the movie like I need to see it again. I the first time I watched it, it was like watching the Childish Gambino um This is America video where I'm like, I know I'm missing shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I know it's like it's a lot of poetry in this, and I just don't I'm not picking up the clues. Uh, but the second time I saw it, I fell asleep. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but I still, I still maintained and 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 picked up quite a bit of cues. Um, I dug it. Uh, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird class issue movie. It's a race issue movie. I think it's a homeless issue movie. It deals with everything. Um, uh, it's it's spiritual. I didn't, I didn't think. I never thought Jordan would would get so like spiritual and like christian on this as well um but yeah living in la i see a lot of homeless people and i see a lot of class division you know you see ferraris driving down like homeless filled streets you know what i'm saying and um and this movie just really put that home for me it just made me uh think about the class divide uh and and not just like race divide you know because i mean these people were doing well as well as the the white people were doing well but it, it really showed uh the class divide and it showed People don't care, and it shows that people will do anything to be rich. Um, but yeah, it was very, it was very deep, and it took it took me a while to watch it. I'm, I think I'm gonna watch it again, but I, I can keep, I can go on. So yeah. I pass. Yeah, away. well, we'll go all yeah. throughout all the stuff going on in this very, very dense movie. Bradless, what do you think? Uh, it's very deep. Deep that uh, Greg took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> a great nap. Too. Deep I'm nap. sorry. It's a good deep nap. nap. Uh, uh, watching it, I was. Um, I was like, ah, this is coming together, but kind of not. It's not. It wasn't very clear uh, what he was what he was trying to say. He had like a bunch of things he was trying to say, and then rewatching it, uh, I think this is the classic second album thing that artists go through, especially when you have your first big success. I think like re, uh, listening to an interview Jordan Peele had, he said um, this is a personal movie, and he wanted a. a examine himself more than the get out or get out was like an external thing like examining white liberal guilt and how that affects and so-called good people and how they how they uh their actions are detrimental also to other people he wanted to look inward and uh i think this is the classic like second artist uh figuring out his voice and uh and i think he's uh i think he's kind of not embarrassed but figuring out uh success i think on the second thing, I think it's like, I made it so big, it's hard for me. How do I navigate living in this new space now? Mm. I think a lot of that was that. I mean, he's been successful for a while. It's not like he became rich after Get Out, right? Uh, no, but he 
became successful in the way that he really wanted to be successful. Because if you if you look at Get Out and you look at us now, he he wants to be Steven Spielberg, you know? Yeah. Like, he wants to be that uh, writer, director guy of a generation who makes, you know, the big, important movies. And now he's in that new space. Before, he was just oh, a yeah. utility player. Now he's, like, a star. Yeah. Like, you know, he's yeah. on, like, he's the star player. and uh, He's like a thought leader. When, yeah, yeah. I It's weird for you. I've I've also heard that Jordan Peele said this was more personal, but that's weird for me because isn't the whole thing with Get Out is that the idea came to him when he was visiting his white wife's parents for the first time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one's personal as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he meant personal in contrast to Get Out, but I yeah. think I think personal in the sense of like when you make it now and you like people think of you differently. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird to adjust. Like, how are you gonna are you gonna be your your new self, or are you gonna be this uh, this person that you thought you're gonna be, or are you surprised of how you actually are? You know. So did did you like it? I'm still deciding if I like. If I would have to watch it. Okay. I have to All right. Watch well, it third time. I, I remind me to ask you that. Yeah. Uh, again at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. All right, Alec. What'd you think? I loved it. I was definitely confused at the end, and. Uh, we had to write a script about it pretty quickly, so I had to read a lot and, and think about it for way too much time. Uh, and the more I thought about it, the more I, I loved it more and more. And I, I do think it's about a lot of things, but I a lot of stuff starts to click into place, especially as you watch it a second time in a way that I think – I don't think it's as messy as people say, but it's certainly like way messier than, than Get Out. See, I don't even like using the word messy. I think that it's deliberately vague. The whole it doesn't make the plot doesn't make as much sense as Get Out. There are still some things that are left open in terms of like what's the deal with the underground? Like what exactly were the so-called people that put them there trying to accomplish? Mm. What's the deal with? Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of things that we'll get into, but I kind of like that. I think that the state of film criticism is kind of in the world is kind of in the toilet right now because of <laughs> there's an overemphasis on plot and not enough of an emphasis on other things like visuals. Like, you know, one of the best YouTube channels of all time, RIP, was Every Frame of Painting. And he his whole thing was that he refused to talk about plot and he only talked about image and sound. And I think that the meaning is mostly, well, I don't want to say mostly, it's largely constructed through visuals and yep. through details and through framing and stuff like that in this movie. And I really appreciate that because, in a sense, he should be saying, like, hey, for those of you who are looking for some sort of, like, lore that's going to explain everything, not going to happen. Because that's not where people should be looking exclusively. I mean, it's still important. But I also love the movie. I like it as much as Get Out. And you you mentioned sophomore efforts. When I think of sophomore efforts, I think of... You know, when you if you nail it the first time, the second time is always going to disappoint on some level. Yeah. And I feel like this didn't. I feel like it lived up to it. I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, I was just more confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like I didn't think he made it as clear as he could have. Um, but that's like every movie, I guess. You can always like you. Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm stuff. arguing is that lack of that lack of clarity. I I appreciate because um, to me, it's like if. If the tone of the movie is so effective that you're captivated, it doesn't even matter if you can poke holes in it. In right. my in my opinion, right? It was and interesting. I was on the though. edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah, it was interesting. I'll say it was interesting. Um, I don't know. It could have been. I don't know. For American audiences, 
we're dumb. So you need to like <laughs> if you're gonna have the if you're it's gonna true. have the Jeremiah eleven eleven thing, mm. put it up in the front when you did the tunnels. Also, just put like because mm. every you know every most like classic literature, a lot of starts with a Bible verse. Ex- like just put it up there, explain it, and then you know we'll it'll make it a little bit clearer of, of what you're trying to say. You don't think that was like a throw to like. Um... Tarantino a little bit like I want you to I want you to do your research yeah okay I want you to go to the Bible and well I think he's definitely where like maybe there's a YouTube video that's super popular of Jordan Peele uh, dissecting fan theories Reddit fan theories I think it was like GQ or something did right. that video so Jordan Peele's very aware of how people consume his movies okay and all I those think theories he probably were, played were, into that right in ways that seemed like a stretch but he's like no I did that on purpose yeah, and this movie is super dense, and there's so many details that you could just see he did on purpose. I mean, I, Jordan's a genius. The guy started off as a jokester and then changed everyone's view of him, started making really profound Academy Award-winning films. And it, it must be weird. As a comedian, to do all of this, and for this this movie I saw like on Twitter, it's like the biggest grossing yeah opening of horror movie or something right, right now like 80 million dollars yeah. that's huge man it got, it's kind of it's kind of scary i mean it's making a horror movie but like that type of fame right now he's on the top oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah man yeah now you can make i like i like the fact that he gets a chance to make more movies oh yeah oh, after yeah. this would be like okay now we really want you, like he's what doing if, twilight um the twilight he's got his own right? tv right. show yeah. now yeah All right, guys, let's go into a recap. So, young Adelaide is separated from her parents at a Santa Cruz carnival and wanders into a hall of mirrors where she sees something far more than a distorted reflection. She sees her double. Many years later, Adelaide is taking her husband Gabe and kids Zora and Jason to their summer home near Santa Cruz where the Wilsons meet up with their friends Josh and Kitty Tyler and their two daughters Becca and Lindsay on the same Santa Cruz beach, which makes Adelaide relive some of the trauma of her youth. That night, they're visited by a family wearing red that resembles them in every way, including Adelaide's double from her childhood. The family in red terrorizes them, saying they want to untether themselves from them. Gabe kills his double, and the family seeks refuge at the Tyler house. But before they arrive, the Tylers are murdered by their own doubles. The Wilson family kills all the Tyler family doubles and learns that these double attacks are nationwide. The family gets into the Tyler's car and tries to flee. Back at the Santa Cruz beach, Adelaide's double kidnaps Jason and brings him through the Hall of Mirrors and underground, where it's revealed that replicas of all humans are kept there, tethered to the ones above in a failed effort to control them. Adelaide kills her double, saves Jason, and just as they drive away, Adelaide remembers that she was the one born in the underground and switched places with the real Adelaide all those years ago. The final shot reveals all the doubles holding hands across the country, a la... Hands Across America, end of movie. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're saying that to me or to the, the movie. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, all right, so I'm just going to go with, if you're going to break down the meaning of it, it's that through a variety of things, mostly duality, doubling, symmetry, and mirrors, 
are essentially being used to draw this distinction between the haves and the have-nots and suggesting that they're ultimately the same. The only thing that distinguishes a rich person from a poor person is the circumstances they grew up in. Hyperbolized by the real Adelaide growing up in the tunnels and double Adelaide growing up in an upwardly mobile family. And I think this is essentially the message of the movie. And I want to go through all all of the doubling techniques, or at least as many as we can think of from the you know one or two times that we've seen this movie, because I think that this is a movie that once it comes out on DVD will have a whole whole bunch of other stuff to say because it's so, so dense. And hats off to Jordan Peele for I mean I can't believe he what did he write this in less than a year? So it's amazing. Work, man. So, yeah. much so much work, work, so much meticulous work. He's so fucking talented. I wouldn't have guessed from watching Key and Peel that he had this in him. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't either. I wouldn't have. I think you would. I mean, he was funny, right. and I knew they both were funny, but not this depth, man. There's a sketch where they play uh Holocaust survivors hiding out from like they play black Holocaust survivors mm-hmm. and um What's his name for Martin Family plays this Nazi hunter guy looking for them. And there's a tone in there that's very dark where you go, oh, there's when you when you watch Get Out and you watch this, you're like, oh, there was glimmers there before that tone of like this um, impending something's not right here. But there was always a joke 30 seconds later. But now he just stretched that out, that tone into a movie. I saw a clip of Jordan Peele on, what is it, Mad TV? Yeah. And it's just so wild watching him <laughs> just uh, be super loud and bombastic and then see him at South by Southwest with a suit and tie looking like he's Steven Spielberg or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So first thing, let's talk about rabbits. So uh, at the beginning, Lupita's character has a stuffed animal bunny when she's watching the Hands Across America video there's also the soft that same soft stuffed animal buddy bunny adelaide finds in the summer home versus a bunny that has to be eaten by the people underground to sustain themselves so i think we have once again that doubling but the have-nots have it much worse there's also zora has a rabbit shirt alec did that did you were you able to derive any meaning out of that i think it is just meant to juxtapose I think there's a lot of like the imagery we see associated with the underworld we see in sort of the upper classes, but not shitty, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. A, a good example of this, I, I, I'm still thinking about Jason's mask, but I think if anything, it's like, oh, like he's a well-to-do kid who gets to pretend to be a monster versus the actual monsters who are just always monsters. They don't get to put uh, on a okay. mask. Yeah, I got that. Are we supposed to believe that? Okay, well, I have a couple questions about the kid. One, what is the magic trick? Have you ever seen one? Know. You know, the the, the thing yeah. on his in his fingers. It's supposed to light something. It's just like and... a lighter. Yeah, Troy, the guy we went to see the movie with, who's a lawyer, who really broke down the movie for us afterwards. Mm-hmm. He was saying that it was a, uh, a imagery too with that one because the kid who comes from a good home is playing with a lighter, um, but the kid who's fucked up and is down below, he's playing with a lighter, but he actually burns himself up. Yeah, so it's yeah. just showing that, it's like a double you know, your kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your kid, you know, who who's a pyromaniac can go get therapy or something, but my kid, who's a pyromaniac, can burn up the house and burn his face up, you know? Right. Yeah, I just wish maybe they made it, cl- I guess, I mean, here I am saying yeah. I wish they made <laughs> it clear, right, you know, right, I just said, it. but like, it would be one thing if he was playing with a lighter, but it seems like it's a magic trick that I guess is meant to spark something, and he says, oh, mm-hmm. this magic trick is kind of bullshit, but I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, email us, movies at wisecrack.co if you know what he's doing. 
Um, while we're on the subject of the kid, and you mentioned, so uh, at the end, when the double of the kid is standing in front of the burning car, you see him doing the snapping thing, mm-hmm. which I know is a reference to when she's like, you know, when they're playing I've Got Five on it. So my other question is, is that not, the first time I saw it, I actually didn't remember the I've Got Five on it mm-hmm. thing. I was thinking about Thriller. Because she's got that Thriller t-shirt that she wins from her dad at the beginning. And isn't it like the whole thing in Thrillers that Michael Jackson is like before yeah, they he start does, singing, he, he does, does the snap. snapping thing. Right. Mm. And then, but I wasn't able to really come up with any other meaning of why Thriller is relevant. Other than like Michael Jackson being, a, you know, super upwardly mobile black man or yeah. something like that. And it's so crazy with the Michael Jackson stuff. Oh, going. see, now you're I mean, going yeah. to, I mean, but just like with that and the movie, like he didn't know that was going to happen when the, when he made oh, the movie. Oh, of course movie, not, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. In an interview, he's like, well, now i got to watch the documentary because... But I refuse to watch that. I, I haven't watched it either. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I, but I think it's like, even it almost sort of proves... the Because the whole thing's about duality and like the shadow. So on one end, it's the have and the have-nots, but it's also kind of like the monster inside all of us. By the end, Adelaide is soaked in blood and all this shit. But with Michael Jackson, it's like the duality of him is that, Oh, like he's like this super important musical figure. He's like an inspiration for like a lot of the, the black community. Uh, and at the same time as a literal monster. So, oh, yeah. so you're, right, make, right, you're right, making right, this right, work right, with right, the yeah, whole yeah. thing. Wow. I can see that. Well, no, wow. but I mean th- those, mm-hmm. the, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think a similar thing has happened with Bill Cosby where you also have kind of a monster who again is like an inspiration, to a lot of people. So like, I don't know, like all this stuff about, Michael Jackson and kids, it's not new. We all pretty much, we knew about the Jesus juice. So I don't, I haven't seen the documentary, <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't really know why this is Good all of a sudden being yeah. again. Well, I think you can also, if we take the pedophilia thing away, I think it could also work on another level is that, so there's this whole thing going through the movie about how Gabe is trying to keep up with Josh, the white family, you know, he gets a shitty boat. Uh, Josh has got like the good boat. He's always like, oh man, he bought that car just to fuck with me. And I think, and there's also a point that uh, Alec actually brought up in the script is that, so there's two points in the movie where Gabe is kind of dealing with the duality of being like an upwardly mobile black man in America. And one is when they're singing, I've got five on it. And he tries to tell his kids that it's not about drugs. Because like on one hand, (laughs) On one hand, he wants to celebrate, you know, the cool stuff about black culture. On the other hand, he doesn't want the kid to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other one is when the family, the doubles first show up, and he all of a sudden, like, code switches to start talking. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, we're talking that when he switches to... That's another thing Jordan Peele had to deal with probably his whole life, being like a half-white, half-black guy. But the reason this... Ties back to Michael Jackson is because wasn't the whole... Like, before the pedophilia scandal, the whole... Uh, thing in the early 2000s and the 90s was that oh this upwardly mobile black man tried to dye his skin to be white yeah but he had a you know condition what I, right yeah, well that's what they yeah that's what they, I, we, I actually don't know how true that is yeah we don't no one knows anything really about his medical history here's something that just dawned on me i think um when they're when she's explaining how she left and um everyone's she's following the dad in the underground and the mm-hmm. dad's mirroring the dad up, up in the uh in the amusement park and she's wearing the no, she's not wearing the thriller. Yeah, she is wearing the thriller. She's wearing like a beat up thriller. She's wearing she's wearing a messed up version of the thriller t shirt. I think it's um, this is a year before everything, the documentary, everything. I think it's the have and the have nots. We all have something in common, and who was the most thing you have in common? Like in the eighties, 
Michael Jackson's Universal, right? That's true. So maybe that's the th- that's the the connecting line between the Michael Jackson thing. It's like, all right, we, you're we're down here and you're up there living your best life, and we're living this horrible life out here. But you know what's cool? Michael fucking Jackson. I think it was just a a way of saying that um, the have and the have nots. We all, even though you're living a better life than me, and I'm I'm wishing I lived that same life. There's things that we have in common, and one of the things we all have in common is Michael Jackson at that time. So. And especially when she's retelling the story and she's following the dad and they're doing the whole sequence of everyone mirroring everybody from in the amusement park downstairs in the in the tunnels. It's like it felt like thriller. Mm. The movements felt like the yeah. zombies and oh. everything, especially when the dad, the zombie, not the zombie dad, but the uh, the tethered dad is like moving around with his like cup in his hand. It just felt like the movements of thriller. So it's like uh, it's just like a way to just you know connect the two basically, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean when it co- there's fewer m- better symbols of monoculture of where the entire culture is surrounded and celebrating one thing than Michael Jackson. Yeah, there's a uh, I seen a video of an eight year old Indian kid dancing the Thriller like all a over month the world, ago. Yeah, yeah. All over the world, yeah. it's like a thing that happens. So imagine even back then at the height of it, you know? Yeah. All right, next thing up, levels. So obviously, doubling, there are two societies, the underground and the above ground, the haves and the have-nots. But, God, Jordan is so good. This gets, like, really granular. So even as early as the second scene, when uh, the uh, Lupita Nyong'o's dad, she asks if she wants a toy from the first level or if if he should keep going to get one from the second level. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, wow. it's so good. And her response is that I want number eleven. Yeah, yeah. 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 and then uh, of course there's the Bible verse, and we'll get into more eleven stuff in a little bit. Um, and wasn't it a bunny? Was it a bunny? Number eleven? I thought it was just the shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a shirt. Yeah, it was a Michael. Yeah, it was a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also like in that scene how similar to how Kitty says, "Oh, I could have been an actress." The dad is saying something like, "Oh, I could have gone pro. I could have been a pro baseball player mm-hmm. and stuff like that." Um, this whole above ground, below ground, have, have nots doubling thing kind of reminded me of, there's a lot of similarities between this movie and the Dark Knight Rises, which is weird to say, but (laughs) in in that movie, there's the above ground, the below ground, the have, the have nots. There's Bane and Batman. Bane was born in a hell below ground. Bruce was born in privilege above ground. And Mm -hmm. then the Dark Knight Rises is based on a tale of two cities where, uh, Carton and Darnay are nearly identical. And we see the twins later in the movie as more doubling. So I don't I don't think that he was watching The Dark Knight Rises and taking notes by any means, but it was just something that I found interesting. Do you think he was taking notes from Trading Places? Is it isn't that the same? We were just talking about yeah, that, uh, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah. What? I haven't well, seen that one as recently as Coming to America. Well, well, it isn't the whole premise that Eddie Murphy's homeless and becomes like a rich banker because he's surrounded by money. Yeah, and the other right. guy goes crazy. You're right. It's true. Right, but we don't get to see. Um, LA's development we just flash but she's just an adult after you know yeah sure so we don't really get to see the rise of her I think that would have been interesting to see how she put on this new um this new suit you know she's like living underground this whole time and now she's like taking ballet lessons Mm. yeah you know that's a that's a shock you know yeah no wonder she couldn't speak for so long right yeah I did like it at the end though when she started like doing those voices doing like the underground type voices when she's killing her oh yeah right Right, and that's more to the point of the movie saying that 
it doesn't matter where you come from. There's nothing. People who are successful, people who are upwardly mobile, it has nothing to do with. I mean, in an exacerbated way, it has nothing to do with their abilities. Of course, you throw a lot of grains of salt at that, but it is that it's just about your circumstances. You know, if if you if she was brought up, whether it was underground Adelaide or above ground Adelaide, if you're brought up into that family, you're going to find a certain level of success. Right. I, I have a question about a weirdly specific thing. But at the beginning, do you feel like we mostly don't see the we do see the parents faces, but we mostly see the backs of their head. And it seems maybe intentional. And even in the therapy office, the angle is sort of towards the back of their head and they like turn around briefly. Did anyone notice that? In the therapy office, when the yeah, because yeah, it's put in the point of view of young Adelaide. It's, oh, it's, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like, I like that all of the camera angles are from the perspective, just vertically yeah. from the little girl. Yeah. As far as not showing their faces, it's not that they don't show their faces; it's mostly on the back of their heads. I think you see the dad's face a little bit, but I don't think you see the mom's face at all. Right, She's, she turns a little bit. But it is focused on the back of their heads. Yeah. Just like that picture he drew, Jason drew. I do love ah. um I do love the, the like how as when she's growing up, the parents are definitely not getting along. They're fighting all the time. And I do love the juxtaposition between grown up Adelaide, how she presumably grew up and how she's raising her family because everyone's close, even when like we see when in times of crisis they, they band together. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think um if that same thing happened to young Adelaide's family, I don't think that would have happened. It, the whole yeah. just, the whole fighting is about protecting her too, which I think is interesting if you think about like class in that, not that they're helicopter parents, but it's parents being like, she can't ride on this ride because she's too short. Uh, you have right. to watch her so she doesn't wander off and get lost and all these things. Where meanwhile, fast forward, you've got a kid playing with fire who, who burns his face off. Um, so I think there's something intentional there. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned, you made me think about how, yeah, her parents are always fighting. And then one thing that I wasn't really able to ascribe meaning to, but the Tylers, Kitty and Josh, they like seem to fucking hate each other. Right. Yeah. 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 Like they love hating each other. But even Kitty says at one point, I fantasized about murdering him. And it, there doesn't seem to be as, it's like 25% a joke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything there, but I, I found that to be made me think i don't I know what to think Ooh, about i just it. thought about that scene when he, he plays the beach boys and then fuck the police both bands yeah. from duality and the different levels yeah two bands from california but very, very different, different California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right? oh that's deep right i don't as uh when she's preening in front of the mirror mm-hmm. after like she just stops and looks in front, is that like a a cecil b demille i'm ready for my close-up homage type Ooh. of thing because it's, it's she's on it's there for like, like a, for a long long time yeah. Yeah, so I think like a little old Hollywood homage because a lot of there's a lot of little Easter eggs and homages that you know with the the Jaws T-shirt on the on the beach, uh, the Mike, Michael Jackson uh, T-shirt, like the video cassettes in the beginning of the, mm-hmm. of the like the, it was a bunch of like little the glove. I mean, they all got yeah, Michael Jackson a, yeah, gloves. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a like a homage to uh, Freddie. Uh, yeah, with the knife. I was actually going to add, like, that's the one thing in the movie that's deliberately asymmetrical because they only have one glove on. I didn't really get that. Alec, I know we brought it up in our video, but what that's What do you think about outfit, that? Right? Yeah, it's the oh. red. But it is a homage to uh, Freddy as well. The color of the glove with the, right. with the scissors. It's Freddy. 
Right. Is it because we're meant to believe that the Adelaide that got switched only rem- she remembers, remembers the, yeah, the VHS that's, that's tapes right, that she yeah. watched as a kid? Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. Um, was Freddy one of the tapes? Was Friday the Thirteenth one of the? I mean, that's Jason, but was on the well, first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Because right? I know there's there's one uh, there's one, Chud. There's mm-hmm. Chud, which is like a movie about mole people. Some, yeah, yeah, like underground. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. And then there was Jaws, right? On the uh, one of the VHS. It was so fast. It was, it was so, so many, blurry yeah. too. And the Goonies. It's hard for me to the see it. is one. Okay. <laughs> Well, the Goonies is isn't the Goonies is about a bunch of poor kids trying to save their community from being taken away. Taken right, away, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also go underground. Yeah. And they also go underground. That's right. Um, okay, so other doubling stuff: scissors. The scissors is two symmetrical blades uh, bound together. Um, okay, so we already talked about Thriller. So let's talk about more symmetry. So uh, we already mentioned that she wants toy number 11. 11 not only is a reference to Jeremiah 1111, but 11 is also symmetrical. Then we see 1111 on a clock when it's bedtime. Alec, do you have the Jeremiah quote written down? I don't have it written down, but I was just rewatching some of it. And while Gabe is watching uh, some sports game, the score is 1111. And uh, you see oh, Adelaide cool. kind of hear it in the background and like get a little even more nervous. You, like if you didn't hear it, you'd just be like, oh, she's nervous because she knows what's going to fucking happen. Uh, so there's that. And then 1111 is also on an ambulance later. Uh, but but mm-hmm. Jeremiah 1111 is um, I think Jeremiah is a prophet and God is mad that the Jews are fucking around. They're doing their old like worshiping idol shit that he thought they cut off a while ago. And pretty much says that he's going to rain hell upon them. And when they say they're sorry for being assholes, he is not going to listen to them and just keep torturing them. Uh, So, like, the whole thing is worshiping false idols, which I think in this context is wealth or or materialism. I think that's even how modern day sort of religious people use it, that the false idols of our day are, uh, you know, cars and money and all that stuff. And boats. And boats. Bitchin'. Bitchin' boats. <laughs> Hilarious. Great boat. Oh, you mean the Biot? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Um, oh, the, another cool 11-11 thing is the black flag shirt. So, you know, the oh. black flag shirt is just like three, three or four lines, which could be 11-11. But Alec brought up a, a good point. Uh, Alec, you want to go for it? The so well the black flag is kind of four lines, but also there's four family members, and this might be a stretch, but Gabe says he's gonna get four fishing poles so they can all go fishing, and that's four other Ooh. that one might be a stretch, but I don't doubt it. But the cool thing about the black flag shirt is that in the first scene in nineteen eighty six, there's a carny uh that is wearing one of their specific a albums. Black flag. It's like a puppet holding yeah. a knife. And then fast forward to today, and one of the wealthy Tyler teens is wearing, like, the Urban Outfitters version of that. Um, So it's kind of like another duality across time of, like, past and present where, you know, Black Flag was a a punk band. Punk is very sort of in its origins, working class. Uh, it's It's just a very working class sort of identity that has since become many other things. Um, and now it's just a way for people to tell others that they're edgy, which is sad. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's how the world works. So, yeah. did did I get everything you were talking about, Jared? Yeah, basically yeah. how the anti-establishment message is just adopted by the one of the twins 
Yeah, in, she's like a hot in, topic in, kid. Yeah, a hot topic kid whose family is very wealthy, has a really nice beach house, has a nice car, and yeah, that you know they're not raging against the machine as it were. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite pastime. Uh, all right. So we talked about the boat and the car. So Gabe, he gets a boat to keep up with the wealthier Josh. Josh calls Gabe's boat dingy. Josh's boat is nicer. Uh, There's a part in the movie where Gabe says, you saw that car, right? He had to get it just to fuck with me, too. So more to the Jeremiah point about him having, you know, even Gabe, who is trying to keep up with the Joneses by worshiping all these things that are going to make him seem as successful as Josh. Uh, they later take Josh's car after they're escaping from their house. They're like, oh, does that?" I think the kids are even like, does that mean we can take their car? And Gabe gets super happy. He yeah. starts driving the car. I, and I think the keeping up with the Joneses thing is literally what's happening with Gabe, but in a very perverse, distorted way, what the doppelgangers are doing, because whenever they kill you, they take your shit like they take Gabe's glasses before they're about to kill him uh mm-hmm. they put on mm-hmm. Tim Heidecker's bathrobe um like always mm-hmm. like a, a token of a, at the end when Adelaide kills Red she takes her necklace as like one last thing that that has to so it's almost like I want your shit and I'm going to murder you so then I can hold hands across America or something right so we'd like to think that the doppelgangers they're the ones that take your shit after you die but then we're always shown that nope us, quote unquote, yeah, it, also does it. it. Right. I also like how the boat's used. Um, so he's using the boat. It's like, all right, my boy got a boat. I'm gonna get a. I can't get a biggest boat as he does, but I'm, I'm gonna get a boat that's gonna like I like for my family, and I'm gonna like keep up with the Joneses that way. But I also love maybe there's a message in how when the doppelganger's on top of him and he hits his head on the on the motor and the motor starts going and then that gets the guy the doppelganger off of him. It's kind of like. Even if even if you think that other thing is better, the thing that you have is also good. It can save your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should be happy with what you have. Uh, yeah. So I think that's like a, like maybe a message in, in that way. There, there's. I also think there's kind of this, and this also happens between uh, Gabe and is it Josh Tyler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another thing that happens between uh, Gabe and Josh is that. Gabe doesn't fully understand the rules. So Josh is like, oh, you got a boat? Did you get a life vest? Did you get this? Did you get that? Oh, you forgot the the flare. And he's like, oh, fuck, God. I didn't know that. Because, you know, unless you grew up super wealthy, we don't necessarily know their backgrounds. Like, why would you know that? Or the best example of this is, I think, when they take the hider key, the the doubles, and Gabe says, what kind of white shit is this? Like, he didn't, he didn't think of that. <laughs> because that is white shit that he doesn't have to think about. But... The the doppelgangers <laughs> who have never been around any of this shit. Like like another person who would be standing there trying to murder Gabe would realize that like oh I'm right next to the propeller and it could turn on that's dangerous. But he doesn't know how boats work because he lived in the underground. So that, like that's right. what kills him. And I think there's like other examples of that where the inability to navigate what is like sort of common knowledge if you're a wealthy person is what gets people killed. More to what Bradless just said about how the thing that you have is what's going to save your life. When they're at the uh, when they're at the Tyler's house, uh, Gabe flees to the boat, and then he actually takes the flare gun and shoots it, it at the dude, but it doesn't, doesn't do work. anything. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he ends up ends up having to use a baseball bat, but, which anyone can own, and, right? To to and, kill him. And the first that's and that's the thing that he had that was his own from the beginning. From mm-hmm. the beginning, also. Yeah. So that's just like, yeah. Damn, Jordan. Dude, yeah. he's like, <laughs> damn, Jordan. Damn. So detail oriented, you know, dude. Yeah, I like the movie. 
<laughs> oh, so you're liking it now? Yeah, I'm liking the movie. I'm liking last the movie. time, last time we did this, remember Greg? We did Incredibles two, and the more we're breaking it down, you were like, I don't like the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I just because yeah, I mean, I watched Incredibles two recently too, and I was like, ah, oh, they just made an animation so political. <laughs> I, just I just didn't dig it after. So it's because it's animation. It's because it's animation. Okay. And I was like, I just wanted to, I just, you know, sometimes you just want to watch something just to enjoy. That's something. what I did. That's video games are that yeah. for me. Right. And I'm like, whoa, what's up with this underground message? <laughs> <laughs> Everything needs a message. Yeah, fuck rich people. You know, it's like, do you? I I don't know if like you guys are way into film more than me, but do you think um all this like all these heavy influences that clearly it's on like on Jordan. Do you think that's like kind of like a, a feedback loop where you can tell what he's influenced, influenced by, but like what is his new thing that he's bringing for, you know, other people to like, what is the 30 years from now? What's the thing that uh, the new Jordan Peele is going to have? That's going to be like, Oh, that was the guy from get out. You know what I mean? Like what's, what's his idea? Because a lot of it's like, you know, we're using Michael Jackson, we're using these big themes, and we're using these things, the Freddy and all this stuff, and it's like, okay, but what's your thing that's going to be? What's his thing? Yeah, what's your what's your thing? What's, I, I, what's I your chud uh, VHS that's going to be, you know? You're, if you're asking if I think that Jordan, P these two movies are going to be classics, I'd say yeah. I mean, he's right. he's the probably the hottest auteur we have working today. I mean, he is red hot. Especially out right. of this week. I, I, yeah. I also yeah, think yeah. the specific thing he he gives us even if he's rehashing kind of some stuff in it is that his comedic roots are very heavily present even in this movie like it, at points it's hard to get scared because people are laughing at, at gabe being like it's funny you get crazy we can get crazy <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's funny so, oh yeah, yeah no they're generally funny like when he yeah. talks about the kill count oh my yeah. god yeah. yeah yeah so funny so i love how it's a big black dude it's just the corniest dad. Oh, that, yeah, that acting <laughs> choice is uh, uh, yeah. so fucking yeah, yeah. good. I, I was just talking about this with Greg. So I was in New Orleans over the weekend, and so I saw the movie in New Orleans, and it was the first time since I lived in Houston when I was a kid that I saw a movie, and I was the only, me and my girlfriend were the only white people in the theater. And... <laughs> And the audience hated the dad. They said, like, just, just yelling no. at how corny he is. No, no, that's when you go to a black movie th or, with black people, yeah. when we're screaming at, we love, that's, it's like hate through love. <laughs> it's like, get, what the fuck are you doing? But that's the, like, you're bringing that emotion out of us. So mm -hmm. it's like, we, we're going to label it as hate or it might perceive that, but it's really like, I care about you. <laughs> You're making me feel this way. You know what I mean? So that's that's more. Yeah, that experience. Because you know, usually when I go to the movies in LA, I'm going to some hoity-toity place where everyone's silent, reverently watching oh, yeah, the movie. Yeah. But it seemed like this was more of like a spectator experience, and it made me realize because there were so many trailers before the movie, and you know, like all these Tiffany Haddish movies that come out every once in a while. Like I, I this is a hypothesis, but I would guess that movie going is probably growing among black audiences and probably shrinking among white audiences because there aren't those kind of small movies made as much for, uh, as there are for black audiences. Like all the Kevin Hart movies, the Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish movies, and uh, you know back then the Tyler Perry movies. Though, there's nothing like that for kind of like the white audience is basically just Avengers. They just get the giant right. tent pools, tent pole <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. Three hour, 20 minutes Avenger movie. And, and, I, and I get why because like the culturally it's more of a it's a different experience. Right. Yeah. He's a good mix between, because we never had a guy who's like Woody Allen and Spike Lee. Mm -hmm. 
where it's like you get the the funny, but you also get the message. And as to where Spike Lee would go super militant and hard, uh, Jordan Peele's a kid who loves, you know, the Temple of Doom, and he loves video games, and yeah. you know, so he's very like he's he's not on his uh, super militant black shit all the time, because he's like he's a mixture of all that, which is like oh he's like he's like the perfect um, mixtape kid, you know what I mean? He's like the guy who's like I liked I liked uh, Motley Crue just as much as I liked N.W.A. Basically, didn't like, he write Black Klansman too? Yeah, yeah, I think he he, he, he produced it with uh, Wait, Spike who, Lee. Who did? Uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. Oh, really? I yeah, think I he wrote that. it, though, right? I think Spike Lee and I know Spike two other people. Directed P- it. Yeah, Spike Lee wrote, uh, adapted it also, okay, and okay. so did um, I think Jordan Peele, ex- executive produced it. Okay. I'm not, I know he yeah. had some. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he's probably he's heavily involved in the script. Yeah, but I do, I do love like that's the, that's the excitement that is a lot, especially when we go see his movies now. It's like we have this guy who's speaking to a group of uh, a generation of of people that we loved everything. And we mm-hmm. finally get to see this on the screen in a way that's not corny, mm-hmm. you know, or um, or it's condescending. Mm-hmm. It's like you like this, I like this too. It just is what it is, you and know? it's just prestige. It's yeah, to yeah. The, the top guys winning Oscars. The yeah, guys, so, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's top. like yeah. If I'm gonna go for the, if I'm gonna be influenced by somebody, I'm gonna be influenced by the fucking best. Because even Spike like, Lee didn't win an Oscar until like 30 years past his <sighs> big breakout. I mean, he won one recently. Yeah. Like, look, I don't even give a shit about the Oscar. I don't think <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. But yeah, he should have won for 25th hour. But Jordan, I think Jordan's next film is gonna be the real test because now he is on that level. Like Get Out was great. You know, that that could have been looked at as, like, beginner's luck. You know what I mean? Could have been looked at as, all right, we had this this thing that he created, which was great, and it's good. But now with that and Us, and Us is so big now, I think his his next film is going to be criticized. It, it has to be really, really, really good. And how are you going to deal with all this this real fame now? You know, like, you're famous before, but this is like, yeah, people are putting you on that pedestal of Spielberg you know mm-hmm. I think that's that's gonna be hard to deal with do you think like, like he's like third movie people are gonna be tired of like the easter eggs but like okay we get it like like all your, your murder weapons are very important maybe he, so M. Night Shyamalan style right yeah. I, I think but before people are getting tired of it I think that he is going to want to continue to be he doesn't want to be predictable. Yeah. He wants to continue to be elusive. And I think we saw a little bit of that development from Get Out, which once again had a plot that was very buttoned up, mm-hmm. to this movie, which is deliberately vague in some parts, yeah. in which the plot doesn't really make sense. And so, yeah, I could see his next movie being less about social commentary or maybe just doing it being a little bit more formless or just making something that's purely dramatic or purely entertaining, purely emotional, something like that. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. We should direct the Richard Pryor biopic that's on the show. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it, Jordan. Don't do it. It's, it's cursed. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Uh, all right, so other things. Gabe wears a Howard shirt. I think this is more about uh, the class thing. Alec also in the script pointed out, or someone pointed yeah. out, I don't know if it was Amanda who was writing it, that uh, Jason, the little kid, wears like a tuxedo shirt. Tuxedo yeah. shirt, yeah. Kitty mentions she had minor plastic surgery done and that she thinks she could have been a movie star, but she just had the kids too late. Um, We already talked about the duality of black identity. Uh, Here's another thing. So Adelaide is wearing the real, or I was going to get this confused. (laughs) The one who we think is the real one, the main character, is wearing a white outfit, 
but by the end, it's stained to where it's almost entirely red, as if to draw more of a parallel that, hey, there's really not a division between us and them, because for all the reasons that we mentioned before, but also visually suggesting that she's much more similar to the uh, the underground one. Uh, we already talked about she takes the necklace. Uh, there's a part, there's uh, one shot where there's like this big plastic spider. Yeah, what's And the then like a that? little baby spider crawls right. under that. I don't know. I was just thinking two spiders, more doubling. I don't really have anything <laughs> else there. Oh, Maybe that's the, well, they're she, tethered. She whistles the itsy bitsy spider. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. God, you know, I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what, what, what's the significance of that song? I think that's because she whistles the itsy bitsy spider when she was in the Hall of Mirrors. And that was before the, the, the family came to them. So I think when she saw the spider, it was just a clue, another clue letting her know, like, something's about yeah. to happen. And then that's also when she figures out something's so the, wrong here because she stops whistling and then it's whistled back again to her. Yeah. It's when, to when, her when again. she's underground. Yeah. yeah. When did you really, did you guys, was this twist surprising to you? The twist I was, of her? I, I was confused yeah. for a lot of other yeah. reasons because when I left the movie, I immediately called Alec because I know he had seen it two days before and, and they were working on the script and we went over some of the things. Was I surprised? I don't know. I was expecting some kind of twist. I was confused as to why it was relevant, and that didn't really sink in until a little bit le- later. I, right. I, I, I didn't see the twist coming, but I, there was a certain point, like three quarters through the movie, I was like, oh, this movie's about how we're the real monsters. So as I was watching it, when Adelaide kills Red and makes that sort of underground people noise and she's covered in blood... I was like, oh, I get it. Like, her transformation's complete. She's become just as bad and as violent as them. And then they did the twist and was like, oh, she was always like that. Um, but but either way, either way, I think that's, like, a, a cool way to think about it. Who Who's talking when they're explaining, like, the voiceover towards the end? And, like, they said, like, was, that was the underground alley talking, right? It's like, Which something... voiceover? Because she's like the, how the story, how they met. She's like some God brought us together. Oh, that's. Uh... But it's a, it's voiced over. No, I thought that was the Lupita Nyong'o, the the red, the antagonist, quote right. unquote, of the movie. I have the whole thing written down. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, right. uh, which we can get into a little yeah. bit later. All right, so now let's talk about Hands Across America. Yeah. I don't know if you you guys probably aren't old enough to remember this. Oh, I, I remember I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I barely yeah. knew what it was. So was it a joke? Were people joking on it at the time? Because I think now it's largely thought of as like just a, a bunch of bullshit that didn't actually make a difference. And it was just a bunch of feel good vibes. I think when it when it actually was going down, people were excited, was excited about it. And yeah, felt good. Almost like uh, you ever seen Ghostbusters? When Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is walking through and mm-hmm. all the New Yorkers are like, yeah, you get that good feeling. It was like that. But very shortly afterwards, everybody thought it was just a Because something joke. like less than half the money actually went to poor people. Yeah. So there's also just like a wave of these things. There's Live Aid, uh, We Are the World. And I think mm-hmm. my guess is people just got kind of disillusioned with it all, maybe. Well, yeah, because around that time, uh, you're like in the thick of the 80s everyone's making money everyone's all about make greed is good right mm. as gordon gecko said and all those little things live aid hangs across america is i think there was a reaction to a lot of people um feeling bad about 
what happened to their ideals. Because 20 years before, a lot of those people were hippies at Woodstock or yeah. whatever your Woodstock was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Smoking dope or whatever. Whatever you're the free love. Yeah, I'm just generalizing. But mm-hmm. they had a, a different thought process. And then you switch over 20 years and you're like, fuck it. I'm, I got to pay this damn mortgage. And you know what? I like I like skiing and I like, I like this suit and I like to do cocaine on the weekends. But fuck, I, I still feel guilty because I had these ideals. Fuck it. I'll do hands across America. You know what I mean? It's like a pat on fuck the back. Fuck it. I, it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a way for I'll you. I'll get my favorite rock stars to, to to support farmers. Yeah, I'll get my favorite rock stars to support farmers, and then you know, thirty years later, we're still subsidizing farmers. You know, what yeah. I mean? it doesn't. So it's kind of like a reaction to feeling bad of um, what 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 the the, the the like the gluttony and the excess of America at that time. So when Gabe says in the movie, he says, "Looks like some kind of fucked up performance art." That's apt, right? Because that's actually <laughs> what's going on. Is that Adelaide, or I'm sorry, Red, whatever the underground one is, the, <laughs> the, the, the quote-unquote antagonist uh-huh. of the movie, uh, is doing this because she wants to make some sort of like, hey, remember the have-nots statement. Mm. Am I missing anything there, Alec? Well, I think it's even more kind of radical than that. And I think, you know, sort of to Bradless's point uh, about the charity, there's this philosopher we like to talk about, Slavo Zizek, who makes the point... I forget if it's uh, George Soros or uh, Warren Buffett, but he's like, you know, during the day he steals all your money. He's just like exploiting everyone and like being doing all this fucked up shit. And then he has this big pile of money. And at night, like he just gives a little bit back and everyone's like, oh, what a hero, like giving away all this money. (laughs) And and specifically Hands Across America, it was, I think the donation you were asked to give was like $10 and donating money's good, fine, whatever. But, you know, if you're sitting in your beach house near Santa Cruz uh, with all this shit. And you're like, yeah, I gave my $10 for the year. Like I- I'm good. Like I'm not uh, a part of this problem. Like it's kind of fucked up. So for me, it's like, it is this perverse, almost like revolution. Like, like the whole system is fucked up. So like, what is, what is the mission to abolish poverty of hands across America actually look like? Well, it means like essentially burning everything down and murdering everyone. L- l- like it's the true radical completion of the dream of, uh, hands across America is to finally <laughs> to finally have the have-nots to finally they finally have they're they're dressed up in these people's shit they're holding hands across America and they will never sit in a dank basement ever again but the price of that was for all the wealthy people to die. <laughs> mm. Mm. Kill your masters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there any relevance to the candied apple that she has when she's a kid? I wasn't able to think of anything. Me neither. Wasn't there like a Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, something kid with a red lollipop, something? No. Et. Not that Et I with know. the maybe the red balloon. I'm thinking of the the balloon and it. The the, the, oh, the thing oh, that I noticed, yeah. which is like a totally fat kid comment, is she didn't eat it before she dropped it on the ground. It's a fucking waste of a candy apple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> that's that's the upper yeah. class just wasting shit. Yeah. Oh, all right, I can see that. I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I thought too? When, like when she dropped it, I was like. You know, when if my, that was my mom and dad, if they would have found me, they would have had that candy apple in their hand when they found me. Like, <laughs> and the candy apple on the fucking sand? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I know and you. Can you just go to some by yourself and it's raining? I'm wet. You're wet. <laughs> the fuck is this? Yeah, she grew up well to do. <laughs> All right, now now I got some questions that are actually. I, I know that we already said that some of the plot is deliberately vague, but I want to see if we can't. See if we can reason a little bit more 
get a little bit more out of it. So what allows Adelaide to get the upper hand and kill the double? Because at one point, it seems like the double is just dodging her every move, and then they move into another room and just somehow Adelaide's able to... Like, I felt that Adelaide killing the double was... She's having such a hard time. The double is seemingly playing with her and just cutting her a little bit here and there, and then something happens and she just wins. And I was, why did, why? I think I know why. I think she gave up. I think, did she give up? I think, I think it's because it's a wild stab in the dark, but it's like, she didn't have as much training as, uh, as Adelie did, as the tether one. Cause she's like doing her slick shit, but she was underground all this time, mirroring what she's doing, but she didn't really have all that, you know, cause she's doing all these smooth ballet moves and, but, but the but Red's ballet the real moves training. are smoother than Adelaide's, which is like they are until yeah. the end. Until the end, she didn't have it. I don't think she, no, no. Like at, at the end, um, this was a comment. I didn't really rewatch the scene, but this is something I was reading. Is that as it flashes between the above ground and the underground ballet performance when she's fourteen, the mm-hmm. someone just commented that the movements of uh, underground Adelaide were much smoother because that's really the original Adelaide, and then. There's more of this throughout the movie. So, like, when they first show up at the house, Adelaide, she grabs the scissors with both hands, and she sort of, like, twists around, and it really reminded me of, like, a music box with a ballerina in it as it spins around. So I think kind of the point here, and again, this is, like, confusing our sense of, like, uh, uh, who we really are, is that Red, this monster, uh, is has these, like, more beautiful sort of ballerina movements uh, and then that's why she's sort of dancing circles around Adelaide at the end is because she is the the better dancer. Um, but to w- how she gets the upper hand, um, what I saw was that Adelaide knows where her old bed was and Red was hiding in that bed. So she turned around and knew she oh. that's where she was. Okay. I like that. Okay. We got that one. Cool. <laughs> uh, Okay, here's something. The little boy, Jason, he seems to be the only one that gets it. So what is happening when he gets out of the car, stretches out his arms, and then backs up, making his double mirror him and back up into the flames? What is happening here? Because not all of the doubles work like that. Most of the other doubles seem to have free will. They're not bound to whatever their counterpart is doing. Did that part confuse you guys? I think he figured it out when they're both in the closet together, I think. So it's just at certain points he can tether him and make him do things, and he's just the only one who's figured it out? Yeah, because when she's explaining it, she says like, the experiment didn't really work all the way. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I guess some things work and some things don't. Okay. And then yeah, I think he figures it out in the cl- when they're both in the closet, and he's trying to show him the kids making him do the trick, and then he puts out his left hand, and the kid does the same thing. Oh, okay. And then I guess he figures that that could be to his advantage, and he just pantomimes walking back and then he has the kid walk back in the flame okay or was he did he actually get lost in the beginning remember when they couldn't find him and he's actually a tether as well mm. no no because no, the, but kid, the burn phase but the kid well, is, they they, yeah, the kid has a burn bathroom. yeah the kid has a, the distinctive burn marks yeah. oh, right. but then he would be wearing the mask all the time right I don't know I mean yeah. no no I think the kid's the kid yeah I always thought that was weird though in the movie when they cause why can't the other ones do the same thing. Right. And the kid knows that she's... Yeah. Yeah, at the end, he knows that it's... But the, how does he know? I think her... Sh- I think she, he heard it, right? 
The what? The, her her sh- like she shrieks when she kills kills Red in the way that they shriek. And also, yeah. I think he sees her grab her necklace. Which, first of all, why would this underground person have a necklace, and why would she be stealing it and know it's there? Well, here's my problem with that, because on the one hand, we're saying that the whole movie is trying to dissolve this dichotomy between us and them. So, but if we're saying that one of the hints that Adelaide is an underground person is because she has the essential characteristic of screeching like they do, we can't say that at one point the screech is meant to say that, hey, they also screech, so there's no us versus them dichotomy. But then we're saying that, oh, the screech is a hint that lets the boy know that she, his mother, is actually one of the underground people. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. I think it's like, you know, all the underground people have, they can only shriek and grunt and shit like that. But she, because she moved out of there, learned to talk. But this is a part of her path. So, so it's almost like, Red has lost her, almost lost her ability for language because she was choked out or, or something and, and talks like a weirdo, whereas Adelaide speaks normally, but that is still sort of in her. So I think it's just kind of like in both cases, there's like an injection of both sides, if that makes sense. Right. And she yeah. also says it's hard for me to talk yeah. sometimes. So, um, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. I have, So with when the kid backs up into the fire... Is there some symbolism going on there? You mean because of, he does like the Christ arms thing? I thought so. I mm. thought it was kind of biblical. Is that is that what you're referencing? Well, I thought it could be a couple things. And I think like it for me, when I walked in this movie, having seen Get Out, I was like, this movie is going to be all about race. So I was like looking out for like all this shit. And, you know, there's race stuff in there as we, we talked about. But I think when, on my first viewing, and especially the first half, I was like overseeing it. So when he did that, I was like, oh, is it like a sort of like hands up kind of thing or that I he steps in the fire uh, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's like it's a burning cross like the KKK or something like that. Like even if whatever you do, even if your hands are up, it doesn't matter. You're still going to be in the fire. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Again, I haven't really figured out. And the other one is just that like mm-hmm. he's literally making the figure of the cross and it's burning and we know who burns crosses. Do you think that these movies are you know, this is what we do at Wisecrack. We have these conversations about decoding movies and stuff. Do you think that one of the things that appeals to Jordan Peele is allowing for social commentary to enter into uh, spaces of people that may not have conversations like this? Like, do you think that he wants his movies to always have this kind of uh, baiting you to look for sociological undertones because he's trying to do something productive for society to get people who may not like philosophy or something like that, but like horror movies to engage with some of these sociological ideas. Hundred percent, yes. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. that's his yeah. goal. I think this is his goal. Uh, yeah, I think this is his goal right now yeah. <laughs> for this to happen. Which yeah, is dope. yeah. Oh, one other thing I want to mention. So when they're re-entering the Santa Cruz beach, there's an awesome shot where the family is walking toward the shore, but they're casting these long shadows. So it's like the shadow that the double speaks of, but also the, you know, the the, the doubling, the other, the kind of dark side of us all. It's just so good. By the way, did we ever answer your question about the Cecil B. DeMille thing? I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think one, it's yeah, I think that's apt because she talks about how she wants to be a movie star. Yep. But it's also that she had like the plastic surgery. So I feel like the double is kind of like awkwardly like, oh, I want to be beautiful just like 
the the upper class version of myself who gets plastic surgery and has all this makeup on, but also like she starts cutting her face face because she doesn't maybe she doesn't quite understand the concept of plastic surgery. surgery. Well, that that's where that's where Kitty got her injections, I think, because she kind of points to it earlier, and then she's stabbing that kind of exact place. Yeah. Yeah. So is it? Could it be like that? That was like I want to be just as beautiful as. the real kitty, or is it's it like, like putting sharp things? This is this fake. It's like yeah, the other yeah, yeah. kitty does. It's like take this out of me. This is fake, right? Or maybe well, she's just like, I want to know. know what it's like to be rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he was smiling while she was doing it. Mm. All right, so I know you already said it, but just asking Bradless again. So, what do you think about the movie? I like it now. <laughs> you like it? You did it? Just talking through with you guys. I like it. It's hella deep. Well, yeah. you know, we got a naysayer among our ranks. Ryan sent us a voicemail. Oh, Let's see what Ryan said. What up, Wisecrack? It's Ryan. I saw Us last week, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, I like Get Up, Get Out a lot more. Um, this was like, like Get Out was story told really well, and uh, all the social commentary was kind of in the background. It worked as a high concept movie on its own. This is just like she's like, hmm, I want to put some weird American imagery. That really doesn't make any sense. I defy you to tell me what this means. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, and then you just kind of build a stupid plot around it. So basically the plot and the story mechanics, I really hate. I like the horror elements. I like the humor. I like all the performances. I really like everything, a lot about the movie, except the point of it, I guess, or, or what's <laughs> happening with the fucking clones that don't make any sense. Yeah, you, know, you know, basically the only things, the only uh, messages out of the movie are that there's an us, there's a them. So I guess like xenophobia, but the xenophobia, the, the others are us too. So whatever. And then there's people have a dark side. Whoop-de-doo. Um, anyway, <laughs> didn't really like it. I really hope it makes a good, another good movie like Get Out. Bye. He has to watch it again. I he mean, has to I watch it again. He has to listen to this podcast. Yeah, right. yeah. I felt a lot like that after I watched it the first time too. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Well, he told me that he thought the plot was unbel, like just unbelievable. But I was like, because I talked to him a little bit today, I was like, "Yeah, but is it really more unbelievable than white people putting their brains in black people's bodies?" I mean, that's. <laughs> but that plot was just clearer. Yeah. You know, yes. the, the way yeah. he did this was just muddier, and you had to really, yeah. you know, yeah, feed through it. True that. Uh, anything else you guys want to bring up before we head to the mailbag? No, no I just want to. I want to know what's next. I want to know what the next thing is going to be. Uh, con- congratulations! I hope, the, I, I hope that the Twilight Zone project doesn't keep him off movies for a couple of years because he's still oh, so good I'm at so it. Yeah, I think he loves making movies. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be way. It's going to be way better than Black Mirror. <laughs> It's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Chelsea Peretti. Get pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. It, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She, yeah. Totally. She does. All right. Get some twins. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go into the mailbag. So first, we're gonna start with our voicemails. You can send us a voicemail at two one three five three four eight eight zero seven. I hope I'm getting that right. Or two one elf gut. 07. So last week we talked about the inventor, the Theranos documentary. We got a message from Kyle. Go, Kyle. Hey, guys. This is Kyle Collin for the Show Me the Medium podcast in relation to the inventor. And I actually have a question that I'd like everybody's opinion on if you could give it to me. Um, What do you think the correlation between characters like Billy McFarland and Elizabeth 
Mahomes are in relation to the hustle culture that we saw in Fire Festival. Do you think that perhaps they're not they're not deified as rock stars because they did it better than anyone ever could and they constantly went at it, but instead because they're what happens when you hustle too hard, when you push too hard to spend all of your time grinding and all of your time making money and all of your time is nothing but work, 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 and hustle, 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 you eventually get caught in a lie and you never take time to step back and you get caught in another lie. And so you push harder and harder. And do you think that we enjoy seeing them not because of the bad people they are, but because they are physical representations of the worst part of the culture that we've created for ourselves. That's really all I had. And I'd love to hear you guys' opinions. Peace. I love that. You guys, uh, you guys see the, uh, Theranos documentary or you you on the up and up on that? No. It's uh, long story short. There was a company that raised, what was it? $900 million based off of and then eventually after a series of years it was revealed that the technology they said they had was all bogus oh okay all right i've heard about this it's like a red blood yeah it's pill a, thing. yeah, yeah. I, I, I read a time magazine article about that like 10 years ago like no it was way way more recent she's still on trial this is i think the well, my concept of time is worth <laughs> uh anyway i think that there's a thing in silicon valley and most most uh business cultures of fake it till you make it and i think mm. that we like seeing when that goes just too far and you fake it too much and just land flat on your face i don't know alec what do you think yeah i mean we were having a similar conversation uh and i think this voicemail gets to the heart of it that martin shkreli billy mcfarland elizabeth holmes uh i also forget her name but there's like the socialite who lied about having like a trust fund and whatever and they're all a little bit different, but I think when we see these, these people do like the most exaggerated version of things we already hate. So like for Billy McFarland or Elizabeth Holmes, they're like hustling, but a exaggerated form that it's criminal. And because we already hate it, it's just like an easier, it's an easier to hate version of the thing we already didn't dislike. And the great example is Martin Shkreli. It's like, we all know pharmaceutical companies are charging people way too much money for drugs and people aren't getting access to shit they need. And he just had the balls to take that logic to the extreme and was like, fuck it. Like this AIDS medication that people need, it's 5,000 times the price. And like, yeah. And for that reason, he is like a weird cult figure. <laughs> yeah. Alec and I are currently trying to crack an angle on a video that's talking about how these criminals change because there are those bootleggers who were like national heroes uh, during prohibition and stuff like that and i think part of that reason was probably because people thought that the law was unjust in this case i think to alex point i brought this up a little bit on the podcast but that they're almost like these cultural whistleblowers like yeah martin shkreli doing something that big companies do all the time but he's doing it to such an insane extent that it brings attention culturally to this injustice that's happening. Same with Billy McFarland. The whole Fire Festival thing is such an insane failure that it brings attention to the fact that, and the same thing with Elizabeth Holmes, that Silicon Valley is this cult where if you say something's not possible, then you're just out <laughs> because you don't see vision yeah. or, or you're not a believer or whatever. Yeah. And they're not cool. <laughs> they're not, you know what I'm saying? They're like our, the former, like the bootleggers and the gangsters, you know what I'm saying? They were like, 
You know, like, like I remember my mom was like, she was, I was listening to The Chronic, and she's like, why do you listen to this shit, right? It's like full of drugs, They're talking about murdering people. And I was like, it's not my fault that that shit's cool. <laughs> 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 that shit's fucking cool. Murder Whose drugs. Whose fault is it? It's not my fault that we love John Wayne. You know what I'm saying? We love cool. And like these guys are just, it's like, you're, it's like your boss's boss getting in trouble for some shit that's shitty, but it's like, you're not, man, you're not. You I know don't what know. I'm it's the like, Elizabeth it's, Holmes thing is kind of, I mean, imagine you're a 19-year-old girl who st- sticks to this, who sells this idea so thoroughly that you are the next Einstein, you are the next teller, and it's all bullshit, and you're able to get the richest people in the world to give you $900 million based on bullshit. I think that's kind of gay. I'm glad they talked about that hustle culture, though. I'm yeah. really, I'm really hating hustle, hustle culture right well, now. Well, it's right? all over LA, man. Gary V, who's the guy? You know, Gary. Oh, that fraud. Wait, who's Gary? Just v? Can't stand him, man. Gary V is like this dude from New York who just talks about hustling. You gotta wake up in the morning. Uh, if you got sneakers laying around, you need to sell your sneakers. eBay. He's this dude. If you type in Gary, I forget his last name, Verichuk or Vanuts, something like that. But uh, he's like. He's the man of he's the Michael Jordan of hustle hustle culture yeah. right now and uh yeah, selling you hustle. It's just <laughs> it's sad. Uh it makes people kill themselves mm. for nothing, for money, and it's just like worshiping money. And not even the art. It's about worshiping money. If if, any, yeah. if anyone and, listening and are... has like a boss who's really into hustle culture and like thinks you should be too and if you're not working 24/7, but also they're they they think they're really cool, just like leave immediately. And I want to say Jared, I love working with you because we both know we're not cool, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're cool. Oh, thanks, Bradley. No, I'm getting well, fired. What, what is cool? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> what is cool? Ja Rule's pretty cool. Well, you know, you guys are talking about the big macro big stories, but I think the thing that hurts the most is just like, I'm sure all of us on our various social media feeds, although I know Bradless like never checks. Good for him. Is uh, just like just like the the like our friends who are always just around the corner from their big break or their big breakthrough or this business that they're starting, and it's like in the in like the earliest earliest stages, but they're hashtag making money moves, and it's just like come on, man, like stop showing off, just do it. Yeah, just look, we know you're tired. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, man. All right, we'll, we'll do two emails. All right, so we're going to go into the emails. You can send us an email at movies at wisecrack.co. So this one is from John about Behind the Curve, the Flat Earther podcast. Yeah. You down with Flat Earth? Bradless? No, there it is. Oh, come on, Brad. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what I mean. Uh, all right. So he says, a few times in the documentary, people praise the flat earther's skeptical and inquisitive minds, the most memorable instance being when a young scientist on a stage makes the point that these people were a loss to science and a failure of the education system or something like that. <laughs> Along with that came the suggestion that it is their natural inquisitiveness or curiosity that turned these people into conspiracy theorists in the first place. Do you agree with that? He says, I don't think I do. It's one of the documentary's theses, which I take str- which I strongly disagree with. First of all, skepticism is unilateral, whereas the flat earthers in the documentary applied their skepticism selectively and only in support of their pre-established beliefs. I agree. I think he hit the nail on the head. We actually have a video coming out about flat earth on Saturday, or if you're listening to this, it's probably already out. But yeah, that whole idea that they basically want to prove their own beliefs is something we talk about and... 
I will say that they've built a community and they've around doing experiments in their free time, which is productive and positive. If only they could be they could take their experiments pushed in the right direction. (laughs) There's this book called What's the Matter with Kansas? And it just talks about how crazy the Kansas school board is and how they don't want to teach you. They don't want to teach basic science. Yeah, evolution, basic science. And I feel like everyone's like having their own little like what's the matter with Kansas fiefdoms where it's like I'm going to be in this flat earth theory thing and then I'm going to believe that the moon's made of cheese and whatever. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's everyone's in their own believing their own facts what would you yeah what you people need a sense of community yeah, yeah, and man. i believe and i think that <laughs> that's yo, what it no. is but you know needs what? a group on a certain level that failure of the institutional thing is kind of true yeah because it's like if if the big institutions are always fucking you and fucking up right it's gonna be like then what else is what else is not real you know what i mean the thing that's supposed to be real and supposed to be protecting me or making the playing field fair is now they're like they're not even masking it on they're not even attempting to mask it. They're just like, we're just going to fuck you now. So they're going to be like, fuck, I'm going to believe the earth is flat because you don't pick up the trash on time. You know what I mean? Or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If you make the regular things work, a lot of this shit would disappear, be marginalized if you just fucking make things a little bit fair, you know? Look, man, everybody can't be on the basketball team. You know? <laughs> and, and if you can't, <laughs> if you can't, you start your own team. Right, and right. that's what that flat earther shit is. It's their own team. All right, so John's got a second question. He says, my second question is, what do you think is the effect that the documentary has on those who believe in flat earth? Do you think it emboldens them by giving them by giving the movement publicity? Does it have any chance of changing their minds or is it essentially benign as may, many flat earthers are probably not going to watch I'm it? I'm uniquely qualified to answer this question because as you know, Jared, go for it. <laughs> I took a deep dark dive into flat earther YouTube. After I'd deep. written the script, I did not have to do this for work. <laughs> yeah. I watched yeah. 4 to 5 hours of flat earther videos. At, Beautiful. Oh God. Yeah, I, I love myself it. a little bit more. But um, <laughs> Mark's art. Mark Sargent is like, listen, like I know they think they're kind of making us look dumb, but we got our message out there, and if people start asking, like, like Mark Sargent is so thinks he has, he thinks he's so right that we put the we put the little question out there, and as soon as they ask that question, even if they think we're ridiculous and they Google it, they'll find the truth. Like they'll figure out that the Earth is flat. So some of them are happy. Now, the other side of flat earthers think that Mark Sargent is like an Illuminati co-conspirator, that he exists solely to make flat earthers look dumb. Uh, I've gone to the source of flat earthers, the the quote unquote not dumb ones, and I assure you they're just as dumb. But (laughs) (laughs) you mean their president, Kyrie Irving, is dumb? (laughs) So uh, he's not dumb. Yeah, so the other half of people think that this is like a hit job on Flat Earthers, that Mark Sargent, Patricia Steer, and all these people are part of the CIA, and they're dumb on purpose, and they're out there to make Flat Earthers look bad, so they don't give a shit. No, it's not going to change anybody's mind. (laughs) And it's like, when that Going Clear documentary happened, and it's like, oh, that's going to end Scientology, and it's like, you look up, they have their own TV channel. Yeah, buddy. Well, that that Scientology uh, documentary, I think the subtitle is The Prison of Belief, and I think that that's what we're Mm. seeing, is it is a prison, and... People, I don't know if maybe prison's the right word because I think most people want to get out of prison, whereas these people are very comfortable in their prison. Yeah. Scientology folks, man. I, <laughs> I look at them around LA and I'm like, God, man, that's that shit just looks awful. Yeah. I just mm. see them just carrying a, a bunch of dollies around wearing the same like, like same outfit. You yeah. just sold your soul. Like, yeah. Just, so Tom Cruise can get an extra mansion. It's great. 
<laughs> America, All right, baby. So let's do one more. Uh, since Alec is here and he's uniquely qualified mm-hmm. to talk about Flat Earth, let's do another <laughs> Flat Earth one. This one is from another Jared, perhaps my underground double. Yeah. <laughs> he says, good day, Jared and Wisecrack crew from- No, he would be like- <laughs> 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 Sorry, Jared. <laughs> From Australia. He said, I was listening to your Behind the Curve podcast and noticed that a lot of the institutions you were mentioning, NASA, Hollywood, the government, I would assume that means the U.S. government, are American. Watching the documentary, most of the flat earthers seem to neglect how governments of other countries are supposed to be complicit in this widespread plan to keep the world society, quote, stupid. Do you think that flat earth theory is mostly an American thing? And does it really exist outside of the social context of the U.S., or have you heard of slash seen examples of non-American flat earthers? Now, before you jump in, Alec, I got to say, so Alec, in his infinite wisdom, sent me a list of the 2017 Flat Earth Award videos for the best Flat Earth videos that the Flat Earth Society put together. And yeah, thanks. (laughs) And um, of course, I was a little bit uh, a little bit curious, so I clicked on a couple of them, which I regretted very quickly. But one of them was the the award was best uh, best on the street interview, and it was this guy in Scotland who basically just came up to some guy on the street and was asking him all these questions about flat Earth. And the funny thing about it, did you watch that one? I Alec? did not. I was too busy watching a two hour long video of <laughs> I don't even want to talk about. It. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, there are some people who are just pushovers who if even if like the craziest person in the world approaches them and tries to convince them of something they're just going to be agreeable because they're just kind of scared that like this person's kind of crazy so i just want to be agreeable (laughs) uh that was what was happening here but they were like oh see man he's just proving it and this person who is a science student is just nodding their head and agreeing so to answer your question, Jared, that's one piece of proof in the limited research that I've done into Flat Earth <laughs> that it is, in fact, something that's happening internationally. But, Alec, do you have anything about this? I don't really know about the demographic, like how many are across the globe, as you might say. But I do know as far as like the world governments, uh, I, the, whatever the timeline is, during the Cold War, the United States and Russia are launching missiles into into space but they're hitting like the top of the dome and that's when the governments realize and decide they have to cover it up and you know i'm sure that all the governments who are part of the antarctica treaty that say you can't go to antarctica uh because we shouldn't bring our bullshit there uh they're probably in on it but it really kind of falls apart when like for instance kim jong-un and like korea like they want nuclear weapons and like have they not figured Like, what is compelling North Korea not to tell anyone that uh, there's, like, a firmament? And, like, he would love nothing more than to tell you that America's full of shit with their nukes and actually can't nuke people. That would be his dream scenario, but he has never said it because it's not true that the Earth is flat. Right. I bet you there's, like, a math equation where it's, like, uh, the ratio of countries with universal health care and their crazy conspiracy (laughs) theories and and fucking us, basically. Us, indeed, which is a good way to segue us to the end. If you want to send us an email, movies at wisecrack.co. Before we go, where can we find you guys on the internet, Greg? Uh, first of all, you can find us by listening to Wisecrack, checking us out, uh, Black Stage Podcast. We talk about comedy all day. Um, and our Twitter on Black Stage is Black Stage, Stage Pod. Pod. Black Stage Pod. And on Instagram is Black Stage Podcast on uh, Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Greg the Grouch. Find me on Instagram at Greg Comedy. And my website is gregcomedy.com. Right. And I'm at uh, Instagram at Classic Bradless. And uh, on Twitter as uh, Young Oxy Content, which is the greatest. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the greatest Twitter handle of all time. 
Alec, what about you? <laughs> I don't have the greatest Twitter handle of all time. It's at WisecrackAlec. But I did recently uh, launch a podcast that I did on the side where I interview philosophers. So there's an episode where I talk about the decline of expertise. So if you're interested in this flat earth nonsense, it's uh, a good way in there. Another one about uh, happiness and depression in America. Um, that's called The Order of Things, but it's pinned on my Twitter if you want to go there. Cool. All right, guys, and you can check me out on all the Wisecrack stuff or my Instagram, which is all dog photos, at Father of Woody. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think next week we're doing Inglorious Bastards, so rewatch it if you haven't in a while. And uh, we'll talk to all you guys soon. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Peace. <laughs>